Father, we thank you that you somehow, some way help us to find you through the junk and the muck and the mire. And Lord God, it's amazing, it's miraculous that some of us have found you because we've searched for all eternity. We've looked everywhere. We've tried to find what we needed. We've tried all kinds of things to fill that God-shaped hole when it was you that we needed. So, Father, we thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that you take our broken, messed up lives and bring healing and restoration to us. There are people in this room, myself included, that have come from situations where we could not extricate ourselves because we were stuck. And you came and lifted us up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for working in our lives. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, Lord. Father, that you would open our hear, our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. Father, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. So we pray these things with great expectation that we will walk out of this building changed, not because we've come to another service at Life Fellowship necessarily, but because we've encountered you and you've spoken words of life, words of hope, words of encouragement, whatever's needed, because your word says where you are is the fullness of joy. And we find everything that we need in you. We can search for all eternity. We can search everywhere, but what we need is found in you. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, Higgs. And at this time, I'd like to release the warrior youth. The student ministry is welcome to go back. And so glad you're here this morning. We've been going through this series, Prayer, Purpose, and Passion, and this morning I'm going to talk about something I'm very, very passionate about, and that's passion. <laughs> and we're going to be going to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 14, and Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 2. And like I just mentioned, through this series, we've been connecting the dots between prayer, purpose, and passion. Prayer and spending time with God helps us come into alignment with God. The application of this foundation has been reinforced through our 40 days of prayer. How many of you are staying with us praying? We've been praying for 40 days, and we're in day 36, I think. And uh, so we've been praying for some specific things. That Really, the heart behind that is I want us to be a praying church. I want us to be accustomed and comfortable in praying on a daily basis. And I know that many of you are, but I think it's a good discipline that we get into the habit of praying every day, every morning. And so I'm, I'm wanting to establish that as a church. Spiritual growth and maturity is a lifelong process. And discovering and living according to God's purpose is a process as well. Can you bring me down in the monitors a little bit? Appreciate that. Through prayer, we can receive an accurate understanding 
of our purpose according to God's plan versus our own plan or even the plan of the enemy who has come, and we know from John 10.10, the enemy has come to what? Steal and kill and destroy. And so as we pray, we get an accurate understanding of our purpose according to God's plan. As we gain a clear understanding of God's plan for our life, then we can begin to walk in the purpose that we were created for, finding greater fulfillment in every aspect of our life. As we discover and live according to God's design plan and purpose for us, then we can live a life of greater fulfillment with passion. And that's kind of where I'm going at the, at the end of the series the next couple of weeks. Let's look at the definition of passion. It is a strong and barely controllable emotion, intense desire or enthusiasm for something. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and I want you just to consider these things. How many of you have lived lives of mediocrity? Maybe that's where you're stuck today. Maybe you've lost the passion and fire and desire, and you're just kind of going through life, going through the motions. Do you know people that have an, an exuberance for life? Uh, there's a couple of people that come to mind right off the bat, Cliff and Karen. Every time you see them, <laughs> when they pulled up this morning, Karen was so excited because she had some balloons for the kids. And, and I don't know, I'm not sure what the teaching was about, but sometimes I would, like, I would like to be back there. And I know that they have fun, but those are two people that we see that have an exuberance for life. And they have passion and fire. See, we were not designed for mediocrity. We were made for greatness and purpose. We were made for greatness and purpose. Listen, it's important that we understand that. To live a life with passion. Think about some thoroughbred racehorses. They're bred. It's in their DNA. It's pumping through their veins that they're to run. And can you imagine that if, if you pinned up a racehorse in a 20 by 20 pin, what could they do? They could never hit their full stride. They could never really get going. There are a lot of people that are bound up, shackled, and they're chained because of guilt and shame, worry, pride, addiction, selfishness, small thinking. God has designed us for a full life to run. And I'm not talking about run away from things or run away from God. I'm talking about run with passion, live life with fire and passion. Like a thoroughbred racehorse, baby, you were born to run. You were born to run. As I thought about that phrase, how many of you remember that song from the 70s? Born to run, Bruce Springsteen. I don't have a clue as to what he was saying a lot of times in those lyrics. And, and the, the lyrics I did understand, I had no idea what he was talking about. So I don't know if it's a good song or a bad song. But one of the lines in there is, baby, you were born to run. I want us to run the race of life with passion. Not just getting by. So my first point this morning is develop godly passions. There's godly passion, and then there is ungodly passion. How many of you like shows like CSI, Hawaii Five-0, Criminal Minds? <laughs> Christine loves those shows, and I just get stuck watching them sometimes, but they draw you in. Uh, but these shows are, are an example oftentimes of ungodly passions, crimes of passion. Crimes of passion. 
And we watch many of these shows and we see those examples where someone kills another person or they do stuff like that. And, and so that can be an example of ungodly passion, crimes of passion. Ungodly passion is also the lust of the flesh or the carnal desires of our sinful nature. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 14. Those who are dominated... By the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. Consider a drug addict. What is their focus? What are they thinking about? That next fix. That next, they're consumed with getting that next high. Contrast that with a person who is full of God's Spirit. And Now, I'm not talking about something kooky, a person that's weird or kooky. I'm talking about a transparent, authentic, honest relationship with the Lord, a person truly connected to God, a person who really walks with God, a person who really, find my bracelet, lives it, a person who spends time in prayer, listening for the voice of God to receive direction, a person who spends time in worship, not just singing songs, but engaged in worship. We had our first Friday last Friday. Many of you were missing. You missed out, guys. It's a, I want you to come the first Friday. We have that once a quarter. It's awesome. You get in that zone with the Lord. And there's what can be greater than being in the presence of the Lord? I mean, I've had some good pecan pie, and I've watched some good football games. and But nothing compares with being in the presence of the Lord. And so we're providing things for all of us to come and get filled up and recharged with. But I'm talking about people that are not fans when it's convenient, but are committed followers of Christ. That's what I want us to have a passion for. I think of people like Moses. He would meet with God, and it would have a physical impact on him. He would be glowing. They'd say, Moses, please put on a veil or something. Man, he would be glowing from being in the presence of the Lord. His life was impacted that's what I'm talking about, guys. Our lives should be impacted by our relationship with the Lord. And his life was not only impacted, but it was impacting. Look at all the things that God did through his life. Last week, I talked about Elisha. And these are just two examples of God doing miraculous things through people who were passionate about God, who were sold out, who held nothing back, but were passionate can you throw that, uh, let me go back to this, I hope I don't lose my place here. What is the uh, passion, strong and barely controllable emotion, intense desire or enthusiasm for something? These guys were crazy about God, man. I mean, they were passionate about serving him. So let's look at Romans 8, 5 again. Those who are dominated by the, by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Let's look at verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Allowing our sinful nature to dominate us and control our mind leads to spiritual death. Which is, which is even worse than physical death, because that can happen too. Living a life connected to the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace. How many of you want life and peace? Amen. Okay, so he's talking to people that are alive here. 
What does that mean? He's not just talking about life and, and being alive. He's talking about the fullness of life that Christ came to give. Have you ever seen someone in a coma? Are they alive? Are they living? They're alive, but are they living life? <laughs> there are a lot of Christians that are comatose. Come on. They're just going through the motions, but they have no passion. They have no fire. They have no desire. Romans 8, 6, so let, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Romans 12, 2, and we're going to look at the, just the first part of that. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Okay, let's look at verse, uh, Romans 8, 6 again. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Allowing the sinful nature to control your mind. What does this mean? This is talking about how we think, okay? We've talked about repentance of sin. It's not just turning a 180 and going the other way because that doesn't really do anything. We can fall into the same trap. But repentance from sin means changing the way we think about sin, so we need to change the way that we think. So this, these scriptures, they're talking about how and what we think. What are we thinking? I found this on, online or somewhere, and you've probably seen it too, and I think I've altered it a little bit, but your thoughts drive your actions. Your actions develop your habits. Your habits shape your character. Your character impacts your destiny. Where does it start? It starts with what's going on up here. Let's look at Romans 12, 2a again, the first part. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God... Whoa, whoa, wait. Let God? You mean we have a part to play in this? Yeah. Are you allowing God? Are you letting God? Are you yielding your life to Him? Are you saying, no, you can have this and this, but this is mine. I'm keeping this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What is the world doing? The world is going crazy. The world is caught up in their sinful desires, their carnal desires, the sinful nature. And listen, if you're expecting sinners to act like Christians, they probably won't. Sinners sin. You know, they need to get saved. They need to see somebody like you living a life that's going to draw them to the Lord, not push them away, not living a double life, a double standard. Listen, nobody in this room is perfect, but we should be moving forward. We should be allowing God to work in our life. We should be yielding to him. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So do we allow our sinful nature to control our minds and what we think? You know, honestly, there are pro we probably vacillate in that. There are times when, you know, we're over here allowing these things to control our mind, and there are times when we get in the spirit, and, you know, and I think that's a constant tension there, but as we begin to plug into God more and yield to him, it's like we have a greater desire for that, and a lot of those things that had their hooks in us, they begin to release as we begin to walk away from those things and walk in the life and the peace that the spirit gives, so do we allow our sinful nature to control our minds 
and what we think, or do we allow God to transform us by changing the way that we think? How do we change the way that we think? Well, we yield to the Lord. We come on Wednesday night to Bible study. We come on Sunday morning. We take time to spend reading in the Word, praying, spending time with the Lord. Because have you ever thought you were right about something to find out you were wrong? Listen, sometimes we have some really messed up thinking. But as we spend time with the Lord and spend time in the Word, He recalibrates us to come into the truth. Romans 12, 2 again. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into what? A new person. By changing, how are we how are we changed? By changing the way that we think. So as we bring our mind to, into alignment with the things of God, he begins to transform us. As we allow God to bring us into alignment with his word and his desires, with his plan, with his purpose, we live a life of greater fulfillment. We live a life that we were created to live. Romans 8, 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Romans 12, 2 again. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then this next part of this verse are the results of allowing God to change the way we think. Romans 12, 2, the second half. Then, okay, wait a minute. Then what? Well, if we don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then, so it's conditional, right? Then you will what? Learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Who doesn't want to know God's will for us if it's good and pleasing and perfect? There's a process that takes place, but it starts by allowing God into our life and yielding to him. Listen, this is not a self-help message. This is not a positive confession. Fake it till you make it. This is God's word. And he says that his will for us is good and pleasing and perfect. That's his word. That's his desire for every one of us. This Greek word for perfect, and we've talked about it a lot, is not without blemish or you think of your car and, oh, it doesn't have a dent or a scratch on it. This word perfect is teleios, and it means brought to completion, Fully developed, mature, not incomplete or partial, but totally complete, of high excellence to fulfill its design purpose. That's what perfection means. God's purpose and plan is that we are perfect, that we are mature, that we're walking in the fullness of life, that we're not incomplete or partial, but we're completely filled. Romans 8, 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Verse 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. The sinful nature entered into humanity when Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed. It was very clear. They knew that they were not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they did anyway. And so when they did, sin and death became part of the spiritual DNA for all of us. Say thank you, Adam and Eve. Thank you. Do we ever disobey? We have the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. Will our children, will our grandchildren look back and say, thanks, Mom and Dad, thanks, Grandpa and Grandma. So before we start throwing rocks, let's look at our own life. Let's take stock 
Let's look in the mirror and say, am I yielding my life to God? The things that I know that I should refrain from and not do and walk away from, am I doing those things? Am I walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, living a life of peace? Am I allowing God to infuse my life? Romans 8, 8. That is why, well, let me read 7 again. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Verse 8. That is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. When we have a relationship with God, we are not rejecting Him or rebelling against Him. We are saved and become a new creation through Christ. That is why those who are still under control other sinful nature can never please God. Why can't we please God? Because what's his will? It's good and pleasing and perfect for us. That's his will. And listen, if you're living a life of mediocrity, if you're stuck in these things, whatever that may be, it could be guilt, shame, it could be whatever, fill in the blank. That's not God's design plan for you because he wants you to walk in the fullness of life. And if you're walking in something less you're never going to please God because he has great plans for you. I remember going to school with this guy in high school, and this guy, had a, he was really gifted and talented in football. He had a great career ahead of him. But he got mad at the coach, and he threw down, wasted his life away. Did that please the coach? Did it please his family? Does, does he look back and have regrets? Listen, we all make mistakes. And if you're making mistakes, today's a new day. Stop, all right? Just make a decision today that you're going to turn from those things and move forward. This can be a new day for you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. So he's talking about Jesus. But I like the scripture. When we begin to evaluate people, many times we're evaluating them on our human view. What if we begin to see them as God sees them? A person that's really mean and rude, what does God see? God can pierce through the armor and the walls and see a person that's really hurting. What if we became the hands and feet of Jesus and reached out to those people instead of lashing back? What if we responded in love and grace? What if we just didn't respond? Instead of saying what we're thinking, we just kept our mouth shut. That would be a huge step for some of us. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. So they could see, they could now see Jesus as Savior, not just a man, not just as a carpenter's son. They had an accurate view of Jesus, not who they thought he was, but who he really is. What is your view of Jesus? Do you see him as Lord and Savior? Do you just see him as Savior? Okay, I'm saved. But he's really not the Lord of my life. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is what? A new life has? Listen, guys, we need to get this. Do you need to be encouraged? Do you need to be reminded of of this message? I do. Because the world weighs on us. We walk through the the muck and the mire, and, and sometimes we forget that we are made new, washed clean by the blood of Christ. 
because we live in such a performance-based society. Perform, perform, perform. And Christ says, just come to me. The old life is gone. I don't know how many people continue to drag that old, stinking, dying flesh and stuff along with them. Everywhere they go, they're still dragging that stuff. Listen, let it go. Leave it at the cross. Christ paid for it all there. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We really need to get that. Do you struggle with regrets and and mistakes from the past? Wait a minute. I'm new. All that stuff is gone. I know that there are times when those things come at me. I begin to think about situations. But I have to say, no, you know what? That stuff is gone. This is a new day. I'm a new creation. When we can see Christ for all he is, all he is, it is liberating. He completely saves us. He's taken on all of our sin, all of our regrets, all that stuff. Come on, guys. We need to let it all go. Give it to him. Quit hanging on to it. Quit dabbling in those things. Leave that stuff alone. Walk away from it. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone, say anyone, anyone, who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Let's go to Galatians 6.15. According to the Jewish law, a male child had to be circumcised on the eighth day. That was part of their religious exercises and what had to be done. So Paul is writing to the, to the Galatians, and he's saying, listen, your heart condition is more important than fulfilling our religious laws and duties and, and exercises. Let's look at Galatians 6.15. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. Well, wait a minute. I thought that was part of the law. It was. What he's saying, let's read the rest here. What counts is whether we have been transformed, transformed into a new creation. Because what was happening there, the, the, some of the Gentiles were getting saved, the Gentiles and non-Jews, and the Jews were saying, whoa, wait, wait, you have to be circumcised, or you can't be a part of this. And Paul's saying, no, listen, it's not about those religious duties, it's about the heart, about being transformed. Getting circumcised is not going to transform you. Having your heart changed is going to transform your life. Religion does not save people. Jesus saves people. That's it. The results are a changed heart and a changed life. That's what God's looking for. I don't think he cares about religion. I think he cares about a relationship. He's looking for people that have a passion, that are willing to allow God to change their heart. To change their life. Why? Because the will that he has for you is good and pleasing and perfect. He, it's not acceptable to him for you to live a life of mediocrity. You can choose that if you want. A lot of people do. But that's not God's plan. Let's look at what Paul writes to the Colossians. In Colossians 3, 10 and 11. Put on your new nature and be what? Renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Put on your new nature and be renewed. Listen, we, we need to continually be renewed. That's why we have Bible study on Wednesday. That's why we have Sunday morning services. That's why we have a uh, schedule for you to be reading your Bible. That's why we're encouraging you to, to develop a prayer life. So that we can come to know him. How in the world would you know your creator? How would you know that? 
Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. How is that possible? Like any other relationship, by spending time with him. Is it a priority for you? Colossians 3.11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, non-Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So when we give our life to Christ, he lives in all of us. I know some of you were barbarians. You think back to your life. You know you were. You know you were a rascal. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Quit looking around. Look in the mirror. It doesn't matter what you were like. It doesn't matter if you were circumcised or not, if you were barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. You know, let me just say this. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So my first point this morning is develop godly passions. My second point is godly passions are the result of a life in Christ. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Let's look at verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if, say if, if if you have the Spirit of God living in you. That makes sense, right? If we have the Spirit of God living in us, He's going to be transforming our life. He's going to be doing something in our life. And then it goes on to say, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. All right, let's look at verse 10. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, okay, we talked about that. Sin and death entered into all of humanity when Adam and Eve sinned, okay? So he says, but you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. I just read that. Okay, let's go to verse 10. I got lost here. Okay, and Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. We have been made righteous through the blood of Christ. We have been brought into right standing with God because of Christ, because what he's done, and because of us just simply receiving God's grace and forgiveness. We are brought into right standing with God when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, and he washes away, this is a really important word, all, all sin. Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Wow. We read that scripture. Get, can you get that? The Spirit of, of God that raised Christ from the dead lives in each and every one of you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful Nature urges you to do. You have no obligation to, to stay there. You ever get this little, oh, come on back. You remember when you used to do it? Oh, just try it one more time. Just one more time. How many times have you said one more time? And it's been the second time, the third time, the hundredth time. You know, come on. You have no obligation to that sinful nature anymore. You're, wait a minute. I'm a new creation here. I don't have to go back to that junk. Verse 13, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. Talking about the sinful nature. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You will live the abundant life. You will live a life of fullness, the abundant life that Christ came to give. 
not just be going through life, living a mediocre life. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So my first point, develop godly passions. My second point, godly passions are the result of life in Christ. My third point is, baby, you were born to run. Come on, run with passion. Take those shackles off that keep you bound up. Whatever that is, guilt, shame, you know, regrets, whatever. You were born to run. God desires that we live with passion and fire for him. And it starts with him. It starts by spending time with him to understand his plan and purpose for us. And then we get to live it out. We get to walk it out. And I think that the angels in heaven and God himself and Jesus sometimes say, look, there's my son. Look at him running. Wow. Look at my daughter. Isn't she awesome? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at the things that I'm able to do through their life because they're yielded to me. Moses has nothing on them. They could part the Red Sea if they wanted to. They have that kind of faith. I can can trust them. I can give to them because I know that they're committed to me. I know that they're passionate about me. I know that they have my heart, that they're passionate for the lost people. I know them because they have my character, a character of loving, grace, giving, integrity. I've shared this story with you, and and from what I recall, it goes something like this. There was a beggar that had some pigeons tethered to a a stake or to a pole or something. And these pigeons would just walk around in a circle. And this beggar would get money. People would come and put money in his cup. And one day this man came up and said, listen, I want to buy those pigeons. I want to set them free. And the guy's like, no, this is my living. This is my income here. I'm not giving that up. So they finally came to an agreement. And the man was able to purchase the pigeons. And he was so excited he was going to set them free. So he knelt down and, and he untied those strings or those laces or whatever had those pigeons tethered to that stake. And he got them all free and he tried to shoo them off and they, they flew off and they came right back and he got in line. Started walking around in a circle. He tried to shoo them off again and they came right back. They were free, but they didn't know it. They didn't know it. And so they stayed bound up. There are people in the world all around us that can be free, and they don't know it. You may be here this morning. You can be free, but you don't know it. Are you free? You can be totally free. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, maybe you've never had one, or maybe you had one at one point in time, but you've walked away. Listen, today is a new day. It can be a fresh start for you. Would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. There's no reason for you to walk out of this building this morning and not be set free. If that's you and God is speaking to your heart, slip up your hand where I can see it. Because listen, there's no shame in that. The terrible thing would be for you to walk out of this building and not receive everything that the Lord wants to give you. His will for you is good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. God doesn't want you to live a life of mediocrity. He wants you to walk in the fullness of life. Anybody here today? Raise up your hand so I can see it if that's you. Listen, I'm not trying to embarrass you. 
you. Thank you. Anybody else? I want you ladies to pray this prayer with me. Just repeat this prayer. You know, it's not about the prayer. It's about submitting your heart. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I yield my life to you. I ask your forgiveness for all my sins. That I would walk in the fullness of life that Jesus came to give. And I receive right now your complete and total forgiveness for everything in my life. This is a new day. This is a new start for me. All that old stuff is gone. And I walk in the newness and freshness of life, starting right now. And I thank you for this fresh start for me. In Jesus' name. I don't want to embarrass you, but turn, would you come up? Ma'am, would you come up? I want to pray. I want to to pray with you. I thought there was someone else. Anyone else? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for tearing Lord God, I pray that you would fill her with the fire, the power, and the passion of your Holy Spirit. God, that you would walk in the fullness of life. And I thank you, Jesus, that you came to save us, that you came to fix our broken lives. And God, I know that you have a great plan for her, and this is a new day, and she will never look back because she was born to run. Pray for her family, her marriage, her home everything, Lord God, and I pray that she would trust you with all of it. Not trying to handle it all, but releasing everything to you. So, Father, we pray all these things, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Taryn, God has a great plan for you. This is a new day. This is a new day. This is a new start. And I'm so glad that you were bold enough to say, hey, I need a new start. This is a new start. Baby, you were born to run. (laughs) You run, girl. Uh, I'm so passionate about this because, because God is passionate about it. That's what this is all about. Guys, that we would all walk in the fullness of life. And those that are struggling and and are are challenged to to get there, we can help them. We can help show them the way. And if we will just yield to the Lord, He will bring people into our lives and across our path. Listen, by you supporting Life Fellowship, there have been, I don't know, over the years, at least 100 people that we know of that have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior or rededicated their life. And there are probably hundreds more that we don't even know about because of your life of influence as you go out into the community and you plant seeds and you love on people. Maybe you're not the one to lead them to the Lord, but maybe it's those seeds that you've been planted. Maybe it's the life that you're living that they're witnessing, that's, that they get to a point where they're at, at Life Fellowship or some other church and they say, you know what, I need 
Christ. I need to submit my life to him. What we're doing here, what you're doing is not insignificant. It is life-giving. It is life-changing. So please never minimize the impact that you're having. We're going to take a, a couple minutes and have some ministry time. This morning as we go from this place, I want you to be reminded of God's will for you. It's good and pleasing and perfect. And I want you to be thinking about that this week and looking for the blessings of God. Get your focus off yourself. Sometimes, you know, we have an eye problem. I, 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 I. We need to get our, our, our focus off ourselves sometimes and focus on Him. Say, God, what do you want? It's my desire to please you. If you don't have a passion and fire for God, pray that He give that to you, that He restore that back to you. He can do that. He can bring life where there's death. So pray those things. Pray that you will have a passion and fire and desire for Him and I wanted to remind you that Sunday uh, this coming Sunday after service we're going to be having a farewell lunch for these guys appreciate everything that you brought to Life Fellowship helped us go to another level in our worship we love you guys so next Sunday will be their last Sunday and we're going to for those of you that want and can, we're going to meet at uh, Red River Barbecue, and we're going to have some cake and time of fellowship and some good Texas barbecue. Some beef. Some beef, <laughs> yeah. Well, they have, uh, I guess they had kettle drives in Colorado and stuff too, right? There's, there's beef there. <laughs> it's always frozen, though. <laughs> you don't have to go to your freezer. You just go out to the, to the ranch there and cows all frozen up. Yeah. Well, how do you cut them up? With a chainsaw or what? You know, they're all... Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah. So listen, we would love for you guys to join us, but seriously, thank you so much for being here this morning. Listen, go out and make a difference in your world. Live with passion. Say no to mediocrity. You know, no, that's not for us. Let's live with passion and fire. Go out and live it. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed. Amen.